Hello, and welcome to episode 74 of Design Curious Podcast. I'm your host and mentor, Rebecca Ward. Today on the podcast, we have a special treat with two guests. We have Susan Hayward and her daughter, Jillian. So let me tell you a little bit more about them. Susan Hayward is an award-winning interior designer member, American Society of Interior Designers, and International and Furnishings Design Association, and CAP certified by the National Association of Home Builders. Before entering the interior design industry, Susan worked in the public relations and development field for many years after graduating from Boston University. After her son was born, Susan left her public relations position, and she and her husband, Everett, started a photography business in the basement of their home. When Hayward Photography was well on its way to success, Susan decided it was time for her to pursue her true passion, interior design. She went back to school where she studied rehabilitation counseling. She focused her initial interior design work on downsizing and the principles of form-following function that she gained from her work at the time has become a mainstay of her business today. In 2006, she started her own design firm, Susan Hayward Interiors. Nearly two decades later, Susan remains motivated and excited by the opportunity to create beautiful spaces for her clients. She thinks of interior design as a giant puzzle where all the pieces need to fit together to form the perfect space. Whether designing for commercial or residential, her process is all about great communication, working together, and creating something beautiful. And now, let me tell you about her daughter, Jillian. Jillian Hayward Scheibel is a renowned member of the American Society of Interior Designers and partner of Susan Hayward Interiors. In a similar fashion to her mother, Jillian took a very unconventional path to becoming a designer. With her husband working as a helicopter pilot for the U.S. Navy, it took a few moves and career changes before she could finally find a career that not only works for her lifestyle, but one that she loves. Jillian attended Boston University, where she received a BA in Marine Science and a minor in French Language and Literature. After graduation, she moved to Florida to work as a zookeeper before ultimately moving to San Diego. For a few years, Jillian had been working part-time with Susan Hayward Interiors to help with the growing interior design business. During this time, she fell in love with the industry and what she was able to create for the firm's clients. As a result, she decided to enroll in an interior design program at the New York Institute of Art and Design and committed to a new career that she loved. Now a full-time interior designer, Jillian is passionate about working with clients to help them visualize and achieve the spaces they envision, with both beauty and practicality. With her unique perspective as a military spouse, she understands how important it is to truly make a home feel like a home. So I really love this conversation I had with both Susan and Jillian. I was definitely curious about their dynamics in the firm because my daughter has expressed interest. I mean, she's only 10, but she says she wants to be a designer and, you know, maybe she wants to work for me. And so I was kind of wondering, like, how does that work with mother, daughter and, you know, if they're living in the same town and all that stuff. So we can get into that in the interview And before we get there, I want to remind you of all the downloads that I have for you, several different ones. You can find links for those in the show notes, and you're going to want to download those because it will tell you the roadmap to interior design career. It will also tell you the three things I wish I had known before I started my career. And then there's a quiz that you can take to see what type of interior design you should be doing as you start out in your career. So let's talk to Susan and Jillian. You're now listening to Design Curious, a place where you, creative one, are here to learn about what it really is like to be an interior designer. And I'm your host and mentor, Rebecca Ward. 
If you're worried about how to succeed in a creative career, if you're ready to learn your next steps to become an interior designer, and if you want the satisfaction of doing something you love every day, you are in the right place. Grab a coffee, a notebook, and let's dig into today's episode. Hi, Susan and Jillian. Welcome to Design Curious Podcast. It's great to have you both here. Thank you so so much. much. We're so excited to be here. Yeah. And my first duo pair on the podcast, having two guests at once, which is a lot of fun. So for our audience, let's kind of tell them what you guys do and how you work together. Sure. So we are a mother-daughter interior design company just outside of Boston, Massachusetts. And my mom, Susan, has been doing this for much longer than I have. And I kind of joined on and now we are partners together in the the company, just growing every day and loving every day of it. That's great. Yeah. And Susan, I know this wasn't your first career. So tell us how you got into interior design and what drew you to it. Sure, sure. This is actually was not Jill's first career either. So we both did a switch onto here. I started out doing public relations and development. And my husband and I then owned a a photography company. And we did that for a number of years and did a lot of artistic design and helping with the photography. um, And just kind of felt that that was really where my love was and wanted to do more and more of that. So I went back to school when my kids were in, in school younger in school Mm. and decided that I want to do that, that full time. And, you know, when you go into something else, when you're not right out of school at 20 something, you know, when you're 40 something going back to school, then everything has a whole different perspective. Mm -hmm. And when you come out of school, starting a business has a whole different perspective. Mm -hmm. You already have a network of people that, you know, you already have other business contacts. So it's, it's a lot easier to get started. Yeah. So that I think was, was a big help mm-hmm. to be able to just jump right in, go to people that I knew and start networking and getting mm-hmm. our name out there. So from, from day one, we have always been busy. We've always had a full complement of clients to keep us busy. Wonderful. And then things got to the point where I was ready to hire someone else. And Jill was at a point in her life where she was thinking of making a career choice mm-hmm. uh, to change she was on the West Coast and we were trying to find a way to kind of make it work. I'm not technologically savvy. Mm-hmm. And so many of the things that I wanted to do involved so much technology that she first started out just by helping out with some of those things, with some of the design boards and things, and then eventually went back to school from being a zookeeper uh, <laughs> to interior design. So she has a little bit of a different uh, perspective there as well. And yeah. It has grown little by little, and uh, we started East Coast, West Coast, and uh, now are both on the same coast. So some of what we did before, we've been able to consolidate. Oh, great. So when you decided to go and go back to school for interior design, did you already have people reaching out to you to be a designer for them, you know, before you were even getting schooling? And what led you to decide to get a degree in it before just jumping into the business of it? Yeah, I think a lot of it was helping friends out, not necessarily 
them saying, gee, you know, you should be an interior designer, but more like, you know, you just have a knack for this and you know what to do. But I also know enough about the profession. I knew enough about the profession, had enough respect for the profession to know that just having a knack isn't good enough. Mm-hmm. And I said that to Jillian at the beginning, you know, just if this is something you're good at doesn't mean you have the knowledge that you need to go into this profession. There are other things that you need to learn that you don't know. And that was the reason why I wanted to go back to school, because I really felt like if I'm going to do this, I want to do this legitimately. And I want to be knowledgeable enough to compete with designers that had gone to school and were more than just people that had a good design sense. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's really, really important. You know, you don't know enough about floor plans and, you know, development of boards and just, you know, everything that goes with, with looking at a set of plans and how Mm -hmm. to interpret them to give your client the right information, not to mention codes in different areas and products, you know, just because something might look pretty doesn't necessarily mean it's the right product for the Mm -hmm. space and Mm -hmm. all of the things that you need to know about that. Everything from plumber, plumbing to electrical, right down the line. Mm -hmm. Jillian, did you attend the same program as your mom when you decided to take interior design? I did not. I did a certificate program. Yep. So my degree actually was in marine biology. Originally, I went to Boston University. And um, as Susan mentioned, I was a zookeeper for a little while in Florida. My husband was a helicopter pilot. So we moved around quite a bit. I was in Florida for a while and then San Diego and then the Pacific Northwest. We were in Washington. So that's kind of what helped to prompt my career change. I knew I wasn't going to be able to be a marine biologist or a zookeeper. Having to continuously move and family was my first priority. So as Susan mentioned, I was, you know, just kind of helping on the side before I had gone back for schooling. And we just had this great working relationship, even though it was just something that I was helping out with. And we just kind of kept revamping and, you know, doing more and more time together. And as Susan mentioned, that's when I just we decided to kind of make it a permanent thing. Mm -hmm. (laughs) So yeah, so my certificate program was different than Susan's. Yeah. Okay, great. And you weren't scared away by seeing your mom go through school when you were (laughs) younger and like all the projects she had to do late at night and everything like that, I'm sure. No, no, not at all. I was excited. I didn't have kids at that point, so I had all the time in the world. (laughs) (laughs) So yeah, in many ways, I think it was a lot easier because she was going through that already having two kids and another business, you know, Mm -hmm. and I was just kind of traveling the country by, you know, just my husband and myself and our Mm -hmm. dogs Mm -hmm. had plenty of time to do that. Yeah. Well, let's talk a little bit about the dynamics of having a family business and a little bit for personal gain, because my daughter says she's 10. She says she wants to be a designer. I would love, you know, if she wanted to come work for me someday, of course, I'm not going to push her into it, but I naturally feel like in high school, she'll probably do some jobs for me, you know, come into the studio and start getting some work experience. But what is it like to work with your mom or with your daughter? Yeah, it's awesome. I think part of that is just the relationship that we had even before we started working together. I don't think we would have started working together if we didn't already have that base of a relationship. 
I think the reason why Susan came to me in the beginning was just because, you know, we're, we are literally talking, texting on the phone all day, every day. That's just how our relationship is. Mm -hmm. So it was kind of one of those, I'm getting overwhelmed. I need someone to help with, you know, my Mm -hmm. website or ordering. And she's sort of just venting to me and I'm like, well, I can help you out, you know? Yeah. (laughs) So that's sort of how it started. And, you know, now that we are, you know, fully on board together, we just have such an honest communication between the two of us, both personally and professionally, that there really aren't any lines between the two. You know, I might be FaceTiming with my kids to see, you know, so that they can see Nani and I'll be asking her questions about work at the same time. So it's just this awesome, you know, mesh that we've got going on between personal and professional lives that I don't think you can get in in any other type of business other than, you know, a mother, daughter or family business. Mm -hmm. Yeah. How about you, Susan, working with your daughter? I love every minute of it. Uh It's just, it's the best thing that ever happened to my business and not even just from the mother daughter part. I mean, Jill Mm -hmm. brings an entirely different perspective. I had what, what was a very successful business, but it was based upon, you know, I I tried to say that I don't have a design style that I, you know, we want, we want to bring whatever design the client wants. That being said, you know, this is New England. It is traditional. Things tended to look the same. Jillian had such a much fresher approach, having a West Coast vibe style, Mm -hmm. being, you know, being younger, having a little bit more of a feeling for what's coming and what's, what's sort of been dated. And I just have so much respect for her design style as well, which is very different than mine. Yeah. And I think that that's really important. I also think that it's great to be able to work with someone that you don't have to filter yourself with. And I mean that in a positive way. You know, my husband and I also own um, a photography business together. So, mm-hmm. you know, we also have that from a different perspective. Sometimes, you know, when things go wrong, you can talk to your partner in a way that you would never talk to another employee. Okay, yeah. And you have to just remember that the no filter, it really can only come from a positive place. You can't be angry with someone, you know, and or if someone did something, if there was a mistake, you know, you have to remember that you have to deal with it along the lines of the context of it and not mm-hmm. get the personal part. And then, you know, like, what did that far? And for the two of us, fortunately, we are both the type of person that would blame ourselves before we would blame each mm. other. So if anything, if something does happen, like I'll usually say, oh, it was probably my fault. I probably did it wrong anyway. And then she'll be like, no, no, no. I think this one was probably on me. So we don't normally ever even have that. And neither yeah. of us have an ego. So that's also really important. in yeah. I think working together is that it's like, sure, if, if you've got a better way to build a mouse trap let's do it you know mm-hmm. we don't have change is fabulous we love change so all of those things I think really help mm, yeah that's really good uh, tell us a little bit about the structure of the business are you partners is Jillian an employee or and then does one person handle like all of the financial side or how does that go between you two well I think that just because of time there are certain things that we each do, like Jillian is still not able to work 100% of the time because she has small children right. and kids in school and hours and things like that. So there are still some things that I have continued to do. So I still continue to do all of the financials and anything where if there's someone that needs something done at a specific time, 
I may do more of that just for scheduling. But other than that, you know, we're, we are trying to work this into a partnership. You know, okay. I think it started out that Jill was doing more, and I wouldn't even say employee, mm -hmm. just more of a different level of partnership, if you want to call it that. But I, the goal is for as her kids get older to really make this be a full on complete 100% um, partnership. Okay, great, great. To add on to that too, just for context, I have two four-year-old twins and mm -hmm. my husband just got out of the military last year. So oh. I was like the primary parent for yeah. many years. <laughs> the one person who could not be flexible with you know, work and timing and all yeah. of that. So we're, we're kind of working out of that now. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Do you feel like interior design though, it was a great option for working part-time or like ha just having some job, but being able to be the primary parent in your family. And that's, I think you said earlier, it kind of drew you to the industry was because interior design allowed for that. Yeah. I mean, I could just work on my own hours and my own schedule. And of course, there's always things that you you know need to be there for specific days and mm -hmm. times and things like that. But for the most part, you know, you're working for yourself. So you are, you know, in charge of your own schedule and making appointments at times that can work for you with the military life. You know, if my husband wasn't around, he's not around and, you know, he's just not able to be the flexible one. It's not like he can request time off for certain things. Mm -hmm. So yeah, so I found that interior design was just really the perfect choice for me. My goal was always just family first, and mm -hmm. I knew I wanted to continue working. I didn't want to not have a career. I always wanted something. And this just seemed like just the perfect fit. Nice, nice. And have you, either of you had any hurdles as you're building this female-run design business facing the industry? Well, you know, I think that years ago, 20 years ago, it was a lot different than it is today and in a better way mm -hmm. going in as the the woman on the job site full of men 20 years ago was much different than it is now not to say that there are not still people in the industry that have a different opinion of a woman on the job site but you have to be much more assertive mm -hmm. and you have to make sure to let it be known where your role begins and where their role begins. Mm -hmm. Very often we would butt heads with contractors, contractors that really kind of felt like we were just an added nuisance to them, either by suggesting some better way to do what they're doing or commenting on, you know, a, a change that, that we felt had to be made. So I think that that whole part has changed a lot. We, we've done a couple of projects recently where it's still a problem, but I think mm -hmm. that you it's very important if you are someone starting out in this business and you are a woman, know that you are going into a, into a business that is predominantly men. Mm -hmm. The construction industry is still predominantly men. There are women in there, but it, the numbers are, are much less. Yeah. The plumbers, the electricians, the tile workers, you're dealing with a male dominant industry and you just have to make sure that you are going in as an equal mm -hmm. and to make sure that there's respect for your role just as much as you have respect for theirs. And that's like another whole thing that we talk about with contractors and how to work with contractors. And you really, one of the problems I think years ago, not so much now is that the interior designer went in like you were the diva on the job. Yeah. And, you know, you kind of had this aura about you that people just 
it didn't always work well with some of the workers. I think you, that whole thing has to be gone. Like we have to get rid of that, dispel that myth. Mm-hmm. And you have to go in with your work boots on if it's a construction site and you have to really respect the job of every single person that's there. And I think if they understand that you respect them, they'll have a lot more respect for you. And mm-hmm. I think that's really important. Yeah, I agree with everything you just said, because some of the older tradespeople that I've worked with definitely had a lot more of that resistance to having a lady on the job and who's just going to tell them to do it all over again and doesn't know what she's talking about. So that's their assumption. And of course it's not true, but a lot of trades still like I'll be, you know, have to like prove my worth at the very beginning of the project. And then, then they'll listen to what I have to say. And it's, and I love it being like a two-way communication. Like I'm learning from you. You can learn from me. Like we're all in this together to create a great project for the client. So yeah, I love that observation that you had about it. And I think yeah. it's important from the day you walk in on the job. I mean, mm-hmm. if you're going into a construction site, leave your heels at home. Yeah. You know, I mean, it just gives a whole different feeling when you're going into the job and you're looking like you belong there. Mm-hmm. Don't look like someone that just came out of some office somewhere and you're not in your element. You know, you really want to make sure that they understand that you belong there too. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And do you find uh, it different from residential to commercial projects? In some ways, yes. And in other ways, no. You know, I think that it's just a bigger version of everything. Mm -hmm. So from the design standpoint, it's a bigger version of everything. From the construction standpoint, there are a lot more rules and a lot more codes that you have to be aware of, depending upon what the industry is. There's a lot of needs. We do a lot of work with restaurants. So that's a whole different, it has to be more than just pretty. It has to fit the idea and the theme of the restaurant. It has to be able to have high turnover. You know, the products that you use, the materials that you put on your upholstery have to be able to withstand a lot of abuse. The flooring has to, you know, you don't want to hear sounds of people walking all the time. So you have to have acoustics is really important. So those are things that you don't necessarily have to deal with in residential. Mm -hmm. Residential, we're just trying to create a beautiful product. Residential, on the other hand, you don't always have full reign to do exactly what you want. You know, Mm -hmm. there's always maybe, oh, you know, this is the old sofa that I've had forever and I'm going to recover it again because I love it so much, but I want to redo the rest of the room. And you want to go, oh, but that sofa is just hideous. (laughs) We just have to get rid of it. Usually in something like a commercial project, you have, it's like, I don't really care what it looks like. I just want it to fit the bill for what we want. And Mm -hmm. the owner isn't necessarily scrutinizing everything you're bringing in that they love it. It's just, is it going to work for what we need it for? Mm -hmm. Whereas residential, it's personal. Like everything that you're bringing into that, you want that to fit in with the the people. And like, as you know, Jillian will tell you you, everything we say to our residential clients is different than our commercial. Our residential clients, we say to them, we only want you to love every single thing that we show you. And if you don't love it, we will find something else. Mm -hmm. You don't say that to a commercial client because it doesn't work that way. Right. Sometimes they may love something and it's 10 times more than they want to pay. So you have to find the lesser version of it that's 10 times cheaper. Mm -hmm. And you're really creating an experience, you know, for commercial too. So you kind of are looking at everything big picture, as Susan was saying, it's not these individual, you know, items or design elements that are all individual choices that, you know, the client needs to love. 
it's really just a whole experience of when that diner or whoever it is walks in the door, how they immediately feel entering the space and going, you know, throughout their dinner and just the whole design. It's just all much more cohesive. So you do primarily restaurants for commercial design. Do you do other types of commercial Yeah, we do offices. We'll do commercial spaces for offices as well. Executive suites, lobbies. Yeah. Did you the gamut? Yeah. Did you start out doing commercial or was it a transition? Yeah, it was a transition. And you know, it was such a smooth transition because all of our first commercial projects came from our current clients. Okay. And they were clients that we were doing their home that it would be, okay, well, you know, I have four dental offices that we have to redo. Can you help us out? It was, you know, you've done my home. Now can you do my corporate office? That sort of thing. The mm-hmm. restaurants, those were a little bit more that we we had always had, we had always done function rooms and things like that. And then that kind of got us into restaurants. And the more you do one thing and you start to get to know all the people in that industry, the industry is very small. You know, there's there's a lot of the same contractors that you see on all jobs and all the other tradespeople. And then if they happen to be on another job site and someone's looking for someone, that's how you build your business. Mm-hmm. You know, you always have to remember on every job that you're on, every single person that you're touching along the way is a potential referral source for mm-hmm. you. And we think about that all the time. And that's how we get all of our jobs is from prior referrals. And it's either from people in the trade or from other clients. That's great. And so when you started going into commercial design, and maybe Jillian, this is a question for you. Did you find it intimidating at all to go into more of a codes-based environment? I know you had, you know, a certificate and they probably did teach you some of that, but I don't know how robust it was. And it might be kind of intimidating to go into that kind of design. No, because my brain is very scientific. So if anything, the codes and all that, that is like in black and white, that's just an easy research, you know, thing for me. So That actually, I felt really confident in, especially Susan, you know, being there with me the whole time to just having more experience naturally, you know, is always nice. But as Susan mentioned, really, when you go in the job site, if you aren't feeling confident, you better pretend you are, you know, it's Mm -hmm. like, if you don't feel like you deserve to be there, fake it till you make it, as they always say, (laughs) because, you know, you have to exude that confidence and, and really be strong in your ideas and, they're not going to have faith in you if you don't have faith in yourself. So as far as codes and things like that, that's just an easy thing to, you know, be looking up if you need to, but certain things will come with experience, of course, but I don't think I was any more intimidated. If anything, I was much more excited just because as Susan mentioned, you're really creating this whole experience and you just get so much more creativity to be able to, to run with. So mm-hmm. I was actually really excited when we started doing more commercial. Nice. Is it just the two of you in the firm or do you have other employees? Just you yeah, two? It's just us. Yeah. <laughs> we, have some, we have someone that does drawing for us. So we okay. have like a CAD person. Uh-huh. Yeah. But other than that, we're the, the only two designers and then we have okay. someone that helps with bookkeeping and yeah. that sort of thing, but just more as for the design team, this is it. Yeah. <laughs> I was just going to say, she talked about, you know, that sort of fake it till you make it. I think what's important to know about that as a new designer is that you always want to be able to, if you don't know something, make sure that you're going to find out the answer. Mm -hmm. So if something comes up on a job site and you're not sure, there's nothing wrong with saying, 
you know what, let me just double check on that mm-hmm. and take an extra minute rather than making a bad decision. Mm-hmm. So you always want to be learning, you know, from something, or if there's something that you don't know that someone's teaching you for the first time, there's nothing wrong with saying that either, but you always want to make sure that you never just say no, because you can't do it. And mm-hmm. I think that's the point that we want to make. You just don't say no, because you've never done it or whatever. It's like, everything should be oh well, why not? You know, we were with a client today and something came up and he said, well, we can, this is probably impossible to do. So we probably won't even try. And, and my response was, well, like nothing's impossible until you try. So let's give it a shot and see if we can do it. And if we can't, we can't, but yeah. so that sort of thing. I think you always have to remember to be open to that. Yeah. I think really. a lot of that comes with just natural confidence and strength in yourself too, because, you know, someone who is confident is not afraid to say, I don't know the answer to that, but I can find out, you know, mm-hmm. that if anything, that is a, a sign of strength to say, I don't know, but I can find that answer out for you. I think I'm fortunate enough to have a mom who is such a strong woman. And I say that she is so kind, but strong, right? So you don't have to have that old, you know, design trope of going in there and saying, I want it this, this way. And, you know, she'll voice her opinion and be strong in that, but always listens to other people. And if someone has an idea, that sounds great. What a better idea. Thanks for sharing that. So yeah, I think that that's really important. Mm-hmm. Really good. And do you guys take on interns ever to have like, kind of do any mentoring with your great wisdom that you've been sharing with us? At this point, we have not, yeah. not to say it's not something that we would do in the future. And I guess it's more because we've never been approached by anyone who it's something that they would want to do. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I don't know how much guidance that really takes and how much is a teaching moment for them all the time. Mm-hmm. And we are just so busy all the time that I don't know how much time there is for like all of those really important teaching moments. And I think yeah. I would almost feel bad that I was giving someone things to do that were things that they may feel isn't really what they want to be there for. You mm-hmm. know, like, I don't think they're going to be wanting to keep our library updated and to swap things out. Like, although that's really important because then they get to touch things and feel things and know vendors and know all that sort of stuff. But mm-hmm. I always feel like what they want to do may not be something right now we have the time to do with them. Yeah. And do you have a studio space that you work out of? Yeah, we do. We, we actually have a physical office as well, but 99% of the time we're working like we are right now out yeah. of our home Yeah, um, because our space like has turned into a giant clutter zone because when you work <laughs> in this industry, this stuff all the yeah. time, you're getting deliveries and deliveries are big, you know, mm-hmm. oh, we have an extra eight by 10 carpet pad and then you go and you do a photo shoot and of course then you're gathering all your stuff for your photo shoot and then you're like well maybe you know the client didn't buy these four things but you know what maybe two of them we should keep because we can use them for another photo yeah. shoot so there's so much stuff yeah. everywhere yeah. that sometimes we just need to kind of get away from it and move our computer to the I kitchen know. <laughs> you know yeah I have a, a small storage unit actually that we just slept all the leftover things yeah. too that we because they just can't work around all of, and there's a lot of stuff every has accumulates some things that you either have to get rid of or save or repurpose or whatever so you know we're yeah. always trying to find the best way and you know for an interior designer starting out I guess this is 
you know, does every client have their bag that's always ready to grab to take with you full of samples at all the time? And mm -hmm. my trunk of my car sometimes, I have to tell you, <laughs> is just like, I open it like going like this, like hoping everything isn't going to come falling out. <laughs> no. It's like, well, I don't want to bring that in yet because I'm going to be seeing this person this week, but let's throw two more things on top. So right. <laughs> you have traveling offices as well. Yes. Yes. You do need a car that can hold a lot of things, maybe some small furniture <laughs> so, yep. or some long rugs or <laughs> so yeah that is part of it that goes into it. any other great advice for up-and-coming designers that you might have I would just say to align yourself with people that are like-minded start from the very first job that you go on and think about every person that you're meeting along the way as someone that you could be building a relationship with. If you really hit it off with a contractor, you really hit it off with electrician or plumber, make sure to remember that and try to keep in contact with them. When you're on the next job, maybe recommend that electrician or that plumber for the job site. So then you're bringing them in. If you're bringing them in, then maybe they'll bring you on again. Mm -hmm. And that's what we do all the time. Like, you know, we're forever trying to increase our network. You know, we just had a meeting with a new contractor a couple of weeks ago. That's a, a wonderful, very well-known contractor that we got from our stone guy who happened mm. to be installing something at one of uh, another place they were at talking about, you know, needing a new designer. Oh, wait a minute. You know, you need to talk to her because you guys would get along so great. So that's how you build relationships. Yeah. And I think that that's what I would give them for advices from the very first job that you go on. Every single person that you meet is a potential person to build your business. Yes. I would say kind of from the other standpoint, working with clients, it can be a little daunting at first going in for maybe your first presentation thinking, I hope they don't hate everything. I hope that, you know, my vision aligns with what they like. And to just not be afraid to be flexible and get really creative and, and suggest things that may feel like they're in their comfort zone, but also push the boundaries a little bit where you feel appropriate. If I could share for a minute, Susan and I, when we typically do our first presentation with a client, we'll do mood boards. And typically we show three full sets of rooms. We'll show one that is how what we feel is completely within their comfort zone of, mm -hmm. you know, inspiration photos that they've shown us. One will be maybe a little bit out of their comfort zone, some elements that are a little bit funkier than maybe they would have selected themselves. And then the third would be like, if we could just design this room with full rain, this is what we do. So to just kind of give them the freedom to feel safe with a designer coming into their home and not wanting them to feel like, oh my gosh, I don't even belong in this space. You know, give different options, push the boundaries where you feel like you can, but also, you know, make it feel safe for them. And the more you work with a specific client, the more that you'll build that trust. And when you really feel like, okay, I know this is crazy for you, but we have to have this console. It's gorgeous. Trust me, it's going to look great in this space. If you've been working with them for a while and they're loving everything, they will trust you and say, okay, I don't know about this. And, you know, almost every single time that that's happened for us, the client is over the moon saying, I never would have selected this. Mm, and it's my yeah. favorite thing. in the room. Yes, So yeah, yeah. Just make them, you know, feel safe and comfortable with their choices, but push the boundaries too. Yeah. Yeah. That always is 
fun when that one piece you're like, I know it's a stretch, but you're going to love it. Trust me. Mm-hmm. And then you get it in there and they're like, it's so much better than I expected. So <laughs> it's always satisfying. Exactly. I mean, yeah. that's why they're hiring a designer, right? If they wanted to stay in their comfort zone, they wouldn't be seeking extra help because they'd be able to do it themselves. So just kind of remember that. Yeah. Really good. Where can people find you to see your portfolio and check out your work? Sure. So we're on Instagram. Our handle is at S-U-H-A-Y interiors at Suhey interiors. And then our website is www.susanhaywardinteriors.com. Great. Wonderful. Well, thank you so much for coming on Susan and Jillian. It's been great talking with you and just learning your, how you do your business and just all the wisdom you have of running your residential and commercial projects. So thank you so much for sharing today. Thank Thank you. you so much for having us. This was a blast. All right. We'll talk to you later. Thanks again. So really interesting conversation. And I think they really have something special there with a mother-daughter team and really loved all the things they had to say about female-run business in construction and all the advice that they had. So go ahead and look them up. We'll have all the links for them in the show notes. And if you're looking to get a mentor in your life, you might want to check out My Design Mentor, which is a online platform I have that you can join and work with me one-on-one online, and we can get your career started the right way. So check out the link for that in the show notes. If you love this episode, I would love to hear from you to leave a rating and a review. And until next week, stay creative. Thanks for listening. If you love this episode, please leave a rating and a review. This helps me reach other curious creatives like you. If you have a topic request or would like to contact me, simply head over to my website, rwarddesign.com or email me at podcast at rwarddesign.com.